0: On August 4, 2021, National Polygamy Advocate Mark Henkel was on Bards Logic Political Talk, Part 9 of his three-hour show.
1: Well, there's only about, uh, you know, 45 minutes to about 40 minutes before I have to start shutting things down. Um, one thing that, my, you know, would like to do, uh, just you know segue to give a little flavor of, uh, as a discussion we were talking about, I mean, did you want to touch on any of that uh, with that 17-minute video that you you shared with me?
0: Sure, I'd be happy to.
1: As I had yeah, mentioned Robert,
0: earlier,
2: Robert. Robert
0: there I'm are some challenges.
2: Mm. Yeah, I'm pulling out the, uh, the JB Phillips, which was translated directly from the Greek, and we're going to have to see what it says. So it's in Timothy where Paul is instructing about
0: uh, elders. Well, what verse did you say it was? First Timothy three two, three twelve, and Titus one six. Let's be clear here: the issue of dealing with people that are going to give commentary is not at issue, and I'm not I'm not here to debate what other people are going to decree. I'm saying you have to go take out Strong's Exhaustive Concordance of the Bible, which will tell you what the actual Greek word was in those three verses, the Husband of One Wife verses of bishops, elders, and deacons. And you will see it every time. It was not the numeral one it was, or heis, it was the adjective first. Mia. Mia wife. He must be the husband of Mia wife, which means his first wife. So I'm not going to go into a debate about commentary from other people because that teaches us nothing. What we need to do is what does the actual language say? It's like the same reason for when it comes to uh, gun control, I'm not going to listen to the commentary of people trying to say something else about the Second Amendment. I'm going to read the Second Amendment myself in the language it was actually written and as an originalist, I'm going to believe what it actually said by itself. I don't care about arguing with people's commentary trying to say it means something else it doesn't. When you look to Strong's, you will find that the word is Mia wife as opposed to Heist. And when they want to say one, they would say Heist. They would not say Mia. When they wanted to say first, they would say Mia. So I see it actually given the fact that, for example, the King James Version was given to us in the 1600s, and that was itself a, more than a century after Catholicism had taken over Christianity and had invented the one-man-one-woman doctrine, everybody was already culturally indoctrinated to think that it had to be one wife because they had already been taught that by the, the mind-control reinterpretation to make sure that the doctor would match what the Catholic in religion had decreed for the last millennia. So that's really what I want to get clear about that. that, about that. Go get yourself well, a Strong's. I, I guess I'll have to look
2: at Strong's then, and uh, yeah. this is for Robert yeah. and others that might want to listen – J.B. Phillips, chapter 3, verse 2, Well, for the office of a bishop, a man must be of a blameless reputation. He must be married to one wife only. King James, very similar. So one wife. And so then the other question I have is, uh, what about the uh, natural number of men to women? I think it's like 49.8% women. men I mean we're pretty much close to a 50 50 uh, as far as male female population how do you explain that
0: well first of all back to the one wife issue all that matters is the Greek of the Mia wife and you can get that through Strong's. you don't need to whatever anybody else says uh, about that the English Bible was not given us to us in English and so using English language is irrelevant. We need to get back to the originalism, just like we do with the Constitution. As for uh, the other part that you just mentioned, that uh, I, why don't I give you a chance to re- reword your second question again.
2: Okay, naturally, biologically, uh, women to men in percentage. I believe it's like 49.1 women and 50.1 men, something like that. So how, so how do I, do I explain, answer that? Yeah, because if God intended one man, one woman, uh, then why is it not, say, 30% men, 70% women? And, you know, a man can have a bunch of wives. It's right well, around, well, I, the natural well, is around 50-50. So how, how does that work out?
0: Well, well, I think that, first of all, we need to be careful, no matter who we are, that we're not trying to uh, self-define anything that is what God intended. I think God himself intends it's not for us to define or intend our intentions into his intention. <laughs> that I would also say that what you're pointing out is, necess- is, regardless of what the averaging is, the real issue is not so much about any ratio of men to women, but rather the ratio of men who want to marry women to the ratio of women who want to marry men. That's a whole other different number because we're in this era of dumb dumb males where men are phobic of marriage-phobic and the era of marriage-phobic males and abandoned single moms. So we're in a society where it's okay for men to go plant seed after seed, leaving abandoned single mom after abandoned single mom, but suddenly we're going to make it a criminal idea or a bad or immoral imagination about some man who actually wants to marry them. The, the issue... And then on top of that, you add same-sex marriage. Okay, that completely changes numbers, issues altogether. And it's actually, the, the as I've understood it, the ratios of more uh, men choosing same-sex relationships than the number of women choosing same-sex relationships, then you, you've taken even more men who want to marry women out of the equation. So the issue is not so much about Men to women, but actually men who want to marry women to the ratio of women who want to marry men. And what you have with marital socialism is that you have disincentivized the pursuit of excellence for the women to choose. In most species, including humans, is that especially in a society of freedom, that it's the women who chooses the men. Most usually that's the case. They choose us. So that's why we end up with the testosterone and little boy peeing contest. We're trying to compete for the woman. So at the end of the day, the idea that there's somehow this imbalance is nothing more than an an imagination that is not proven in reality. And then on top of that, and beside that, and on top of that, is the, the reality that if you allow the freedom of women to choose the good man. And in my analogy from before of 10 men and 10 women and nine of those men are jerks, if you allow the freedom for the nine women to also be able to marry the good man if they choose... Then you have incentivized those jerks to grow up, become better men, and then what does that do? Give better choices for the women to choose, and then it all equilibrates anyway, so you still end up with your natural balance. The idea of a zero-sum game is the mentality of scarcity that suggests that someone wins, someone has to lose. It's just like the, what socialists do with economics, that in order for somebody to make money, somebody has to lose money. That's simply not true. Everybody can make money in a win-win situation. So ultimately, it equilibrates. It is the marital socialism of using big socialist government as a false god to enforce the invented one-man-one-woman doctrine that does not exist anywhere in the Bible to enforce one-man-one-woman that has disincentivized men and given us this era of dumb down males, of marriage-phobic males and abandoned. Single moms. And so, regardless of what relationship of a ratio of men to women, what really matters is the ratio of men who want to marry women to the ratio of to the number of women who want to marry men.
2: Well, I want to throw out something that can heal a lot of marriages and cause young men to grow up. Okay.
1: Um, well, we're, 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 we're quick, we're, we're, real quick, because we, we are running out of time. There is something I want to, him and I uh you know to touch on tonight because we're going to have it actually a, another show from fully on this next topic so i want to get a little flavor uh if we get this, we might have to take like to that. i just want um, to give a little minutes I, I just want minutes, to give Robert. a little flavor it'll, it'll of take it take about two minutes what's that kelly
2: it's only take about two minutes yeah, i'll try to make it a minute what? how about that okay <laughs> all right
1: um, real, real quick i do <laughs> I, I, I want to get to it but
2: Okay. Well, Titus two, um, is where an older married couple helps a younger married couple and helps them grow up. It's called discipleship in marriage. I might have Matthew 18 where everybody's getting together. She's making mistakes. He's making mistakes. The younger couple, the older married couple, it can help them. And this is takes out a lot of fear of men who want to commit. Secondly, if women would stop sleeping around. They're going to cause your man to commit to marriage. Bible is also pretty clear about not sleeping around. I was a virgin on my wedding day when I was 30. That's the first life. Okay. And during that growth period, when we're dating, I grew leaps and bounds and matured and was making myself better for her. Okay. So. If men and women stop sleeping around and they're dating two, three years, guess what? They're growing up mega fast. The homeless I work with, single men, they're just floating. The married couples I've seen, other couples, men and women, they got on their feet so fast because they're, they're living for each other. So uh, that, that's, the answer is not, I don't believe the answer is, is multiple men or multiple women for whoever. It's called growing up. And follow what the Bible says. Don't sleep around till you don't have sex until you get married. It's that simple. It causes the well, man to grow
1: up. Well, I'm gonna. Well, well, I'll tell you what. Well, hold, hold on, and never get gonna move. Okay, I'm gonna chime in, which you know I rarely do, um, because we are running out of time, and I got my own, you know, my own ideas on that. But I, I tell you what, I don't, you know, I, I don't have, you know, I, I can find statistics. But I don't have them off the, you know, off a sheet here. And then I definitely want to get this thing over. What um, I want us to introduce, I want Mark to introduce, is I tell I know many of I knew a many a couple, Kelly, where who they waited until they were married before they conjugated the the, the relationship, whatever you call it, and it actually turned out terrible for them. Because what they found is that now they just married someone who is not compatible with them. And, and let's be honest, let's, let's, let's be honest here, because we are creatures. Sex is a very important part of a relationship. And if you wait until you get married and you find out that that person isn't compatible, well, you're in my, again, I'll see if there's statistics, but I think you're setting yourself up for trouble. Because I wonder how many I wonder how many, because I say there's the two things that, now this statistic we've all heard, the two things that people fight about the most in a marriage is money and sex. And if you find out, you know, after you're married that you're not sexually compatible, then you're just asking, you're just setting yourself up. I think you're setting yourself up for failure. I mean, that, that's just my opinion. We'll see what, what, if there's any statistics or anything out there, but that's my take on it. Uh, I, I wouldn't rec- – I mean, frankly, I mean oh, – and, uh, again, it's probably just because I'm not a religious person, but I, I don't recommend that for anyone. I just think you're setting yourself up for – I think you're setting yourself up for failure. Um, but that, that's a discussion – <laughs> a full discussion for another another time. Uh, but I do want to – so we briefly uh, – you know, again, I want to introduce uh, – and this is not – you know, it's, it's not uh, completely off topic because it is relevant. Uh, but I want you to bring the, some of that up, Mark, about, you know, about, you know, the, the I don't want to bring up the term. I don't want to steal one of your thunder. So let's uh, I'll go ahead and let you introduce that. And, again, I want to do more, uh, spend more time on it, you know, on another episode. Go ahead, Kel- uh, Mark.
0: Thank you for that. I appreciate that. I, I appreciated the conversation with Kelly. Kelly, thank you very much for uh, bringing your input to the conversation, bringing your, your kindness. You definitely had a general Softness in, softness in a positive way. I don't mean in any negative way. I really appreciate it that you had a kind heart and kind spirit in the way you spoke with me, and I, I really do appreciate that uh, very much. I would also agree that uh, to the extent of what Robert was just saying about that, I think that the challenge for that it is that it, it, it is a requirement for using government to impose that is the only way to make that happen. That and That would be something that would be something i could not support. I think and as a segue to what Robert wants me to talk about and i'm happy to talk about that as a segue to that it, it comes from the lesson that christians have self-sabotaged ourselves in using the idolatry of false government to impose on other people and that we have used it in a as a weapon because it's actually our idolatry that government is our false god, and we use government to impose what we want to make the world a better place. Mark Henkel is National Polygamy Advocate, presenting polygamy to the public since 1994. National Polygamy